Listeners, welcome back to another episode here on the Sean's Take podcast. And today we're discussing the state of the NFL's running back market. So I'm sure you've seen some headlines recently if you've been following the NFL. If not, no worries. But the NFL's running back market is struggling this offseason, and we're going to discuss it all and get into the details on what is going on. So over the course of the past couple of years in the NFL, the NFL's value on running backs has decreased immensely. Running backs are by far the most underpaid position in the league, and this offseason, the running back market has seemed to hit rock bottom. Big names such as Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard have been franchise tagged but haven't been able to land long-term deals. Dalvin Cook, one of the NFL's most productive backs over the past four or five years, was cut by the Vikings and has struggled to land a deal close to the value of what he believes he deserves. And then Austin Eckler had to fight for incentives because the Chargers wouldn't give him his deserved value despite leading the NFL in total touchdowns over the past two years. And overall, the running back position is struggling to receive their proper worth. This past week, Austin Eckler organized a Zoom with other top running backs across the NFL to discuss what can be done moving forward to help bring some value back to their position. So first, on today's episode, let me give you some backstory on this whole subject, and then we're going to dive into the main premise of what happened during this running back Zoom and what I think the NFL running backs need to be doing moving forward. So let's start with the subject. NFL running backs are grossly underpaid according to running backs, not according to teams, owners, and general managers. But why do we think they're underpaid? Well, one, running backs aren't getting big long-term deals like other positions because they're more injury prone and they have a shorter career span. Why is that? They see by far the most touches out of any position, and they're taking by far the most hits, which means their durability wears down and their durability is a major question mark. There's also the argument that they're replaceable. We've seen many late round draft picks come in and give very productive seasons on a rookie contract, which is much less expensive for a team than that second contract for a superstar running back. If you can draft a guy in the fifth round and he can rush for four 1,000-yard seasons on a rookie deal— Why pay up for a big-time running back? Why not just stay in this cycle of hitting on late-round running backs at a minimum cost? The other issue for running backs is that they traditionally have not been considered a winning position. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at the past 10 Super Bowl winners, and I'm going to read off a list of the leading rusher for each Super Bowl winning team from 2013 to 2022. So in 2013, Percy Harvin, not even a running back, led the Seahawks in rushing yards in their Super Bowl victory. The next year in 2014, LeGarrette Blunt led the Patriots in rushing. In 2015, C.J. Anderson led the Denver Broncos in rushing. 2016, LeGarrette Blunt once again led the Patriots. And in 2017, LeGarrette Blunt 
led the Eagles in rushing in the Super Bowl. In 2018, it was Sony Michelle for the Patriots. 2019, Damian Williams for the Chiefs. 2020, Leonard Fournette led the Buccaneers in rushing in the Super Bowl. 2021, Cam Akers for the Rams. And 2022, Isaiah Pacheco led the Chiefs in rushing yards in the Super Bowl. So LeGarrette Blunt is on that list three separate times. Pretty incredible. But not once have we ever considered him to be the league's best running back or anywhere close to it. Throughout those years where he led three separate times the Super Bowl winning team in rushing yards in the Super Bowl game, was he ever even considered a top running back in the NFL? He was considered a very good playoff running back, but he was not a guy who you wanted year in, year out to be one of the top running backs in the league. That running back list is very uninspiring. There's no Adrian Peterson, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore. There's no Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, or Derrick Henry, all guys who were in their primes at some point on that list. And one of those years, those guys were in their primes. None of them got a Super Bowl from it. Now, for a list that sounds much more exciting and star-studded would be the quarterbacks who won Super Bowls on each of those teams that I highlighted. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady won four different times. We had Peyton Manning win, Patrick Mahomes won twice, Matthew Stafford won, and then, of course, we had Nick Foles, the Super Bowl MVP run. That'd be the worst quarterback on that list, but... He gave elite quarterback production during that playoff run and won a Super Bowl MVP because of it. So quarterbacks, defenses, offensive lines, and receivers all have had more correlation to Super Bowl winning teams than running backs have had, which is a major concern when you're trying to get paid. It's a different era of the NFL today, and while star running backs most definitely can help your team win, they don't help your team win Super Bowls. And no Super Bowl contender over the past 10 to 15 years has really relied on their running back position more so than quarterbacks, receivers, defense, offensive line. So to further put emphasis on the list of Super Bowl leading rushers that I read out, Percy Harvin was the highest paid player on that list, making $2.5 million that year. And again, he was a receiver who just so happened to lead his team in rushing yards during the Super Bowl. The highest paid running back on that list was Leonard Fournette, who made $2 million when the Bucks won the Super Bowl in 2020. Putting the injuries and durability concerns aside, the lack of superstar running backs who have helped their teams win a Super Bowl is one of the biggest reasons as to why teams aren't paying up for the position. The NFL turns to superstar quarterbacks to win them Super Bowls, not superstar running backs. And when you're trying to get your value to increase from a contractual standpoint, Super Bowl wins are the best way to do that. So that's why the running back market is shot right now. And now we're seeing running backs try to take a stand. So here's what happened this past week. Austin Elker organized a Zoom with star running backs from across the league, and here's what we know right now. So we know Eckler organized the meeting with, that included Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, and Josh Jacobs. These are at least the names that we know were on the Zoom. There very well could have been some more running backs, but that's the public information that we had. The meeting was to discuss the status of running back contracts and what actions could be taken for running backs to get what they feel they rightfully deserve. Nick Chubb is, from what I've seen, the only person who really spoke up about it afterwards, and he was quoted saying, right now, there's really nothing we can do. So after having that Zoom, that's not the most promising statement to receive from Nick Chubb, who is one of the only running backs in the NFL earning over $10 million annually per season on his current contract. So honestly, that's about as much information as there is about the whole situation. And while I'm sure there was more said, Chubb's statement, it does make sense to me. What are running backs supposed to do this offseason to make a change? 
we've had guys get franchise tagged. We didn't have, aside from the three franchise tags in Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard, a super strong running back market. Miles Sanders got the biggest contract. I think it was four years. He's getting about $5.25 million per season. But that's not superstar level payment, and that's not a Christian McCaffrey hitting the free agent market, taking the free agent scene by storm. So it was a weak off season for running backs, and the big three all got tagged and have been handicapped in that franchise tag. So in my opinion, there isn't anything to do right now in this off season, but there's also nothing that they should be doing right now. However, I do have a plan moving forward on how I think running backs can start to get some help. Months ago, I did an episode getting ready for a free agency. And in that episode, I predicted after this offseason, we'd start to see a reset in the running back market. I called this happening months ago before there was really this big controversy around running backs and their paychecks that they're going to get. There was no Austin Eckler organizing a meeting when I called this. I thought that next offseason, 2024, we'd see a reset in the running back market. And I said that as I anticipated Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard all getting the franchise tag. And today, as I sit here speaking, I still believe that running back market reset is going to come next offseason. I do not think there's anything that can be done this offseason right now, but next year I do think that's a different story. So what do I think needs to happen in the meantime to set up some massive running back paydays next offseason? Well, I'll tell you right when we get back from commercial break. Men talk women. Men talk sports. Finally, a talk show where men huddle and break into real conversation, real issues, the real deal. Men for men better living. Real men, real talk. now for a free consultation 302-751-3274 or prnstaffers.com you're listening to so now it's time for my three-step plan on what i think running backs need to do in order to make a change step one don't hold out step two ball out and step three win these three points which I'm about to explain in deeper meaning, are how I think running backs can set themselves up for a successful 2024 offseason. My plan starts now with those three points, and then I have a 2024 offseason plan that I'm going to touch on after. So step one, don't hold out. What do I mean by this? Well, what did holding out get Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon? Absolutely nothing. Their holdouts basically tanked their careers. What these players need to understand is that they do not have leverage. And these players that I'm talking about, again, are Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard, who all received the franchise tag this offseason. Tony Pollard isn't going to hold out, and a big part of him not landing a long-term deal is definitely due to the broken leg he suffered last season. So that's more understandable 
he's not really a holdout candidate. But let's take a look at why holding out is not a good option for Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Let's start with Josh Jacobs. Jacobs led the NFL in total yards last season, and the Raiders still missed out on the postseason. Heading into this season, the Raiders have lower expectations than the ones they had last season. So it's not like Jacobs sitting out drastically makes this Raiders team a whole lot worse. They're not projected to be in the playoffs with Josh Jacobs playing. So without him, it doesn't change that much. It's not like they were Super Bowl contenders and Josh Jacobs threatens to hold out and all of a sudden the Raiders are scrambling to try and figure out how they can meet those expectations. The Raiders aren't supposed to be good. That makes it a very hard holdout spot for Josh Jacobs. Moving on to Saquon Barkley, Barkley's case is a little different than Jacobs because the Giants were a playoff team last year and missing out in the postseason this season would be considered a disappointment. This makes a lot of people believe Barkley has leverage, but let me tell you why they're wrong and why Barkley holding out is a very, very risky game. This offseason, the Giants signed Daniel Jones to a four-year $160 million contract, which at the time made him a top five quarterback in terms of of pay grade per year. In terms of annual salary, Daniel Jones at the time of signing that contract made top five quarterback money. If the Giants are right and Danny Dimes plays at a top five to top 10 quarterback level, they're going to win games with or without Saquon Barkley in the lineup. And we have to remember the Giants defense got a little better. They added Darren Waller and some other receivers to this mix. So overall, they're a better team. And if Daniel Jones plays like a top five quarterback, I promise you they're going to find ways to win football games with or without Saquon Barkley in the lineup. If Daniel Jones proves he is the guy without Saquon Barkley playing, then the Giants' decision is easy. Do not pay up for Barkley. Do not give him top-tier money when you don't need a top-tier running back to power your offense because Daniel Jones is the guy who's going to win you games. Now, if Barkley is playing the entire season, week one to week 18, and Daniel Jones performs like a top five quarterback, you would still wonder if Jones could play at that high of a level without Saquon Barkley in that offense. But if Barkley sits out, he risks the Giants offense performing well and essentially loses all of his value. Barkley's goal with holding out if he were to do that would be to say, hey, you're not going to be as good without me on the field. But again, if Daniel Jones is a top five, top 10 quarterback like they paid him to be, He's going to win them football games regardless of if Saquon's in the lineup or not. Saquon would obviously make the team better, but you'd still win games having just a top 10 quarterback leading your offense. So Saquon's best bet is to suit up for week one and continue to be the center point of this offense. Because as long as he's there week one, he's going to be the focus of this offense. If he does that, Saquon will continue to hold a good amount of responsibility over Daniel Jones' high quarterback level play. Because if Barkley's there for Daniel Jones' development, they're going to say, well, Saquon helped Daniel Jones get to this level. Not Daniel Jones did this without Saquon Barkley, which is what Barkley risks if he holds out. So for both the Jacobs and Barkley, there's such a leverage risk that comes with sitting out. Jacobs really has no play since the Raiders aren't supposed to be good anyways. And for Barkley, if he sits out and Daniel Jones leads the Giants to some wins, it's clear Jones is the driving force for this offense and Saquon Barkley is just a luxury that makes the offense a little bit better. That's why I think the smartest move is to play this year out on the franchise tag. That's going to take me into step two, which is ball out. Now, this step goes beyond just Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. It's now time to call some other 2024 free agent running backs to the table. So in 2024, we have an insane running back market, which is why originally at the start of this offseason, I predicted 2024 was going to be the reset period for the running back market. 
Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard will all be coming off of the franchise tag and will be free to sign with any team. And then other running backs joining them in free agency are headlined by Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and likely Dalvin Cook, assuming he signs a one-year deal with whoever he'll play for this season. That makes nine running backs with Pro Bowl talent hitting the free agent market in 2024. So if I'm these nine running backs, I'm getting together this offseason and committing to absolutely dominating this year. And I'm not talking about be as good as you've been throughout your careers. I'm talking about all nine of these players hitting new highs that we didn't think were possible. Of course, there's no guarantee all these players will be able to set new career highs and take over the league, but these nine guys have to bring a different level of urgency this season. This is easier said than done, of course, but when we're talking millions of dollars on the table, you've got some pretty nice added motivation to perform at a career best level. All nine of these running backs need to dominate this season and show how valuable and irreplaceable they are to their teams. This high-level production throughout the regular season leads me to my third point and my third step of the plan this NFL season to reset the running back market, and that would be to win. Winning games is a huge part of what gets you paid in the NFL. And while no running back can single-handedly determine how many games their team wins, these backs need to do as much as possible to ensure that their squads are playing beyond the regular season. If we can fill the postseason with as many of these nine running backs as possible, they stay relevant further into the season and they help prove that elite running back production is a recipe to win football games because once again, as I mentioned in the first half of this episode, that has not been the case in the past. If one of these backs could end up winning a Super Bowl while being a major centerpiece of their offense, we would hit the ultimate jackpot for resetting the running back market. So that's the three steps of my plan. Don't hold out, ball out, and win. Now let's fast forward and say we're at the start of the 2024 NFL offseason. These nine running backs all had amazing years and half of them were in the playoffs and gave some great postseason performances. Maybe one got to a Super Bowl, maybe one didn't. The Super Bowl's the added cherry on top. But if you had half of them in the postseason and they all had great postseason performances, that's good enough for the point I'm trying to make. So now what? Well, the conversation of the running back market is going to start to heat up again. And already the league recognizes how much each one of these running backs meant to their teams this past season because we're going to say all nine of them had incredible years and really stepped up to the challenge in an effort to reset the running back market in 2024. So what these nine running backs now need to do as free agency begins in 2024 is to get together and set minimum deals that they'd accept. What I mean by this is they need to figure out what they believe each one of their values is. And obviously they're not all going to be the same. You're going to have running backs on a higher scale than others within these nine. So for instance, Let's say an aging Derrick Henry is the floor of this group. And I'm not saying that Derrick Henry is going to be the worst of these nine running backs. I'm just using him as an example right now. Let's say he's the floor of this group. They need to figure out how much per year they think Henry is worth. And all nine of these running backs need to hold out until Derrick Henry gets his desired deal. So let's say they collectively feel all these nine players and their agents get together and say, you know what, Derrick Henry, you're probably because you're going to be on your age 30 season, the lowest floor of all these nine running backs. So you're going to get the first deal. We want that to be worth $10 million per year. None of these other running backs should sign a contract until Derrick Henry gets his deal and sets the floor for this group at $10 million. And I'm just using $10 million as an example as well. 
after Derrick Henry signs that deal, you can then trickle up the ladder. So the next back on their scale would sign for say 10 and a half million. And then the next back signs for 11 million. And I'm talking $11 million per year, not a three year $11 million deal. We're talking annually Derrick Henry being at $10 million annually in his next contract. It then goes the next back would maybe get 10.5. The next one would get 11. So you keep setting the market value of the running back position and each back of this group gets what is rightfully theirs. The biggest issue for this plan is going to be the franchise tag. But since you've been resetting the running back market, it's okay for the franchise tag guys to hold out and demand they be paid what they deserve. So let's say J.K. Dobbins has a great year, 1,400 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. Wow, this guy's really transcending the Ravens offense. Well, franchise tag him. Okay, so he's going to hold out now. And we just saw Derrick Henry get 10 million. We saw Cam Akers get 11. We saw, let's say, Josh Jacobs get 12. J.K. Dobbins can then say, you know what? My production and Josh Jacobs' production are the same. I get 12. The franchise tag is paying me 10.5. I'm going to hold out. I deserve 12. We've shown the running back market is at 12 right now for someone of my caliber. Give me $12 million. That's a reasonable holdout. Instead of holding out this year for Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs, because there is no running back market right now. The running back market is dead right now, which is why a holdout in 2023 leading up to this season doesn't work. There's no leverage that they've created. However, next year, if they execute this plan, they can change that. Having nine of the NFL's top running backs come together and collectively work together throughout free agency is how they can start to build back up the running back market. And really, it should only take one offseason. And that's how running backs can get paid fairly for the first time in a very long time. The running back market is not going to get fixed this offseason. But if the 2024 free agent running backs come together and execute the steps I've listed out, the 2024 offseason can be a completely different story for NFL running backs. So there we have it. That's my year-long plan to restore the status of NFL running backs. They deserve it. They do so much for their teams, and they do not get enough love. If they can execute this plan next year, these nine running backs will be looked at as heroes in a long time, and they'll be making a documentary about how nine NFL running backs reset the running back market in 2024 and saved the running back position in an ever-changing NFL that is leaning towards pass catchers and quarterbacks more so than the running back position. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained a new perspective on the whole running back debacle that we have going on today and got an idea on how this can be handled moving forward. Thanks for listening, and I will see you back here next Thursday for another episode of the Sean's Take Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sean's Take Podcast, and make sure to join Sean's Take on social media for more unique and exclusive content by following at Sean's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.